Well, we're going to begin, like I said, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And, um, you know, one of the things that we're going to be getting into in this message is this uh, time period. It was a struggle that the Apostle Paul uh, begins to lay out. One of the hardships that the Apostle Paul laid out. In, in fact, this was one of the most trying times in his life. And, you know, whenever you think about the Apostle Paul, you think about all of the hardships that he went through. He went through trials, persecutions. Um, he was stoned. He was beaten. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was hungry. All these things came against him in his ministry. Um, and it's not that he was doing anything wrong, and it's not that it was God's divine will that he suffer. Uh, but the, the thing is, is that Paul, the apostle, went through all of these hardships, and yet there was one that was even greater. And so we're going to be discussing that tonight. Uh, like I said, it's going to be 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, if you're just tuning in, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll begin in verse number six. So let's go ahead and start. It says, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but I now forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Now just right there on that verse, you see, the, the Apostle Paul's desire was kind of a little bit contradictory to what a lot of ministers' desires are today. A lot of people desire to have their name in bright lights and to be noticed, uh, but he didn't want people to think more of him than they should. Um, and that shows you the heart of a true minister of God, a, the heart of someone whose desire is for God to be glorified, not necessarily themselves and so you see here uh, it, that was the initial desire and then he he's going to build on that um, as we see going forward so verse number seven and last I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh the messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. So Paul's saying that because he had all of these revelations, because he had greater understanding than many, uh, and don't let it slip past you that it was to the apostle Paul that God revealed the mystery of the Gentiles. It was to the apostle Paul that many of the mysteries that we see in the New Testament were unveiled. And so here you see Paul saying, because God gave me this abundance of revelation, he also gave me, uh, you know, or allowed this messenger, as he says, a messenger of Satan or a thorn in the flesh to buffet him, lest he be exalted above measure. Now, here's the interesting thing about the thorn in the flesh, uh, or one of the interesting things about the thorn in the flesh. 
we're not told exactly what this thorn in the flesh is. Whenever you, uh, whenever you hear somebody talking about this passage, most of the time, uh, like say in a Sunday school setting or a Bible study setting, something like that, most of the time the, the consensus is going to go to a debate about what exactly was the thorn in the flesh. And, and one of the things that I try to teach people whenever you study the Word of God is, you know, don't read more into the scripture than the scripture says, especially when it comes to doctrine or you come to an issue like this. If God is silent about it, then we ought not speculate, you know, too much about it. But you see it. So why, why is that important? Well, here's why that's important. Because if God wanted you to know exactly what the thorn in the flesh was, he would tell you. God reveals to us the things that he wants to reveal to us. And so what we have to come to grips with is just the fact that the apostle Paul experienced a hardship or a trial greater than most people do. He had this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan to buffet him. In other words, to keep him from being puffed up, to keep him from thinking more of himself than he should. So what exactly was it? Well, you know, some people say that this messenger um, of, of Satan was a person. Some people say it was a sickness. Some people say it was a problem that he had with his flesh. Some people say it was even a temptation. Um, but regardless of what it was, the, the bottom line is it was a problem that hindered the apostle Paul. You know, one of the things whenever I was praying about this service that the Lord laid on my heart, this just to think about it in this way. If we don't know what the apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh was, and, and, and nobody truly does, if we don't know what it was, we just have to say, well, you know what? He was dealing with something that we can't articulate. And you know, I was thinking about that and praying over it. And you know that many of us today are going through issues that other people, unless they are walking in your shoes, they don't really have the ability to understand or to comprehend what you're truly up against. You see, when, when, when somebody's going through a trial, it is a mountain experience to them. It is bigger than them. It's harder. But when you look at their situation from the outside, you just say, oh, well, all you got to do is just get another job. And so why is that important? Because it's easy to speculate from the outside and it's easy to do that. And when you do, you lose that empathy. You lose that, that sympathy for other people and the hardships that they are going through. And I think it's pretty important that the Apostle Paul doesn't specify what the issue is. It's not disclosed the exact issue. We don't need to know the details. We don't need to know the reasons. We just need to give grace and truth when people are going through hard times. You know, if the Apostle Paul was alive today, somebody would probably be saying, uh, like Job's friends, well, you must have sinned. You must have done something wrong. You, you sh probably shouldn't have done this, or maybe you needed to have done that. But in reality, this was a situation where it was above our pay grade. 
And what I mean by that is it's beyond our comprehension and beyond our understanding. And it's a place where we are just called to extend grace and say, well, you know what? We're going to pray for that person. We don't know why they're going through that situation. We don't know why they continue to go into that hardship. We don't know why they're stuck where they're stuck. But what we can do is pray for them and give them grace in their hour of need. You know what's so beautiful about the gospel is that the gospel gives grace when we are most in need. And when you become more Christ-like and you allow the Holy Spirit to use you, what you'll find is you'll be giving grace to those that don't deserve it. And here's, here's, you know, something maybe you haven't figured out yet, you know, but none of us deserve God's grace. Grace is undeserved. And so when we begin to walk in the spirit and the Holy Spirit begins to use us, whether it's on the job or maybe it's with your spouse or a situation in your family, maybe it's even a situation in your church or, uh, you know, some other issue. But when you get into those kinds of areas, it's so vitally important to take a step back from the emotion, take a step back from having to know every reason, every rhyme and every detail and just saying, you know what? I don't have to know the details. You just need to know I'm praying for you. I'm lifting you up and I want to be one of those people that strengthens you in your hour of weakness. I want to be one of those people that doesn't pile on your problems, that doesn't become a negative Nancy and, and tries to tear you down and tries to speculate about why you're tripping so often. But I want to be someone that encourages you and lifts you up and gives you grace in your hour of need. I promise you, at some point in your life, if you're born again, you experienced God's mercy. And God's mercy was given to you even though you didn't deserve it. And so sometimes we lose sight of this, especially in ministry. And when you see things going on in the world today, uh, the way the world is, is pretty much changed for the present, we, we're in a different kind of season. I believe that God is calling us to give more grace than usual in this hour, to give more grace than usual in this hour. You know, sometimes we get involved in situations and we want to know all the details. But you know what? There, there, there has to come a time where you step back and say, I'm just going to extend courtesy and extend the grace to this individual for what they're going through. I want to be a, a, a helper, not a hinderer. You know, people need help right now. They don't need hindrance. They don't need uh, people to push them down. They need help right now. And if you're a born again child of God, you have the help that they need. You know the source of strength that they can, that they can call on. And, and, and that's so important in our hour. You know, I see everybody second-guessing everybody. We have churches right now trying to figure out the best path forward for their congregation. Some people are shut down. Some people are still open. Some people are doing only Facebook things like this. Some people are doing drive-in services, but everybody's criticizing everybody else. And you know, that's not our job. Our job is not to criticize, uh, those kinds of methods. Our job is to, uh, is to give grace 
especially when it comes to that issue. Now, I am, and anybody that knows me knows that I will contend with anybody that's in error. When you get into doctrinal disputes and you get in error, hey, let's let's go for it. Let's contend for the truth. We have to do that. But when it comes to a season of trial and hardship, our hearts need to be sensitive to the needs of our brothers and our sisters and not only to our brothers and sisters in the household of faith, especially them, but not only them, but also to those around us, also to the hurting souls around us. We need to be sensitive to the needs at, at present time, in the present season that we're in. And you know what? You may not be able to meet the needs and, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you to this passage. You you may not be able to meet the needs of that person. Can, can you think about the Corinthian church for a minute? Paul is telling them he has an issue, and what we're about to read is nobody could help him. Not even God was going to help him. He, he could not find help, and so... I'm telling you that because a lot of times when you hear a message like this, we think, well, I need to get in my car and go do something. Well, some of us need to do that, but some of us can't. Some of us don't have the ability or, or may not know what to do. And that's why I want to call you to this place where we need to pray for these people. What, what the Apostle Paul needed was he needed this church to have his back. He needed this church to pray for him and lift him up. And you know what? You can pray for those people around you. You can pray for them and lift them up and God will undergird them and give them strength to withstand the things that are coming against them, to withstand the season and the hour of trial that they are in. And like I said, nobody could understand what it was like to experience what Paul was experiencing. And every single one of us go through different circumstances. Every single one of us are called to different trials. We have different issues. And yet there has to come a point where we just kind of step back and say, you know what? I don't have to know the details. You just need to know I'm going to lift you up in prayer. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm believing that you're going to persevere through this, that you will endure, that God will strengthen you. And, and we're going to see in a minute, God will strengthen you. God, God does provide help in our hour of need. But let's continue and go through this a little bit for, uh, more. So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. That's where, okay, there's a thorn in the flesh, and there's a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Um, and he said, that's because I, w I didn't need to be exalted above measure. Verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Now, you have the, the prayer of faith by an apostle seeking that God would loose this messenger of Satan off of his life, but God left it there because God was using it to accomplish something. So, you know, Paul wasn't leaning on the Corinthian church necessarily to say, y'all need to uh, band together and pray that this thing get lifted off of me. God won't lift it off. Y'all need to pray harder that it get lifted off. That's not what he needed. 
He needed the church just to pray that he would endure, that God would give grace, that God would strengthen, and that God would equip Paul to continue walking and fulfill the call of God on his life. So here we see he besought God three times. Three times he prayed and cried out. And here's the answer that the Lord gave him. Here's the answer. And he said unto me, this is 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For strength, my strength, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I want you to see this. Jesus' answer to Paul's prayer is not, okay, I'm going to lift it. Jesus' answer is, it is remaining on you because my grace is enough. My grace is of sufficiency. In, in other words, my grace is more than enough for what you need in this hour. And so, you know, I want you to kind of bring that into, into our situation and into our life. You know, God's grace is enough for what you're going through. I want you to know that not one other thing has to change. Not one other thing has to change, but God's grace is enough to get you through what you're going through. Hey, do you know sometimes we feel like if only X, Y, or Z would change, then I could be like everybody else. Sometimes we, uh, it, it, you know, especially believers, and but people live a life where they're comparing. They compare, well, why is so-and-so so blessed? Why is so-and-so experiencing all these things that I only hoped for or dreamed for? And, and we may look at them and say, man, that grass sure is greener on the other side. Um, but you know that weeds grow on both sides of the fence. Amen. And one of the things I want you to see is that it, it's not, you know, just that one or two things need to change so that our lives will be perfect. But God makes his strength perfect in us when we're resting in his grace. So it's, it's not that, you know, this needs to change and that needs to change. No, it's God's changing us. In our hour of trial, in, in the times of our life where we need God's grace, God's grace will be enough to help you to endure that situation. And when you find that you are satisfied by God's grace, then you'll find he is at the same time strengthening you so that you'll be able to endure. You see, it, it, it's in that moment where, where Paul said, I prayed three times and then I heard this. So that leads us to conclude that he stopped praying for it to leave. That leads us to conclude that he all of a sudden said, you know what? I wanted this to lift off of me. But if this is where I'm experiencing an abundance of your grace, and this is where the strength of God is made perfect in my life, then, hey, 
Let's do this. In fact, let's continue reading. Verse 10, Paul said, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And, and so I want you to see that it wasn't that Paul needed the a new job. It wasn't that he needed to stop being persecuted. It wasn't that he needed uh, to have the reproach lifted off of him. It wasn't that he needed uh, people to stop picking on him. It wasn't that he needed his needs met. You know, we have a whole segment of the church called, you know, seeker sensitive. And, and that's implied that uh, whatever your need is, we're going to meet it so that you'll come, you know. That's not what Paul needed. He didn't need the, those felt needs. He said in necessities, in necessities, he takes pleasure for Christ's sake. How, how amazing is it that this is completely opposite of the way that many of us live? Many of us believe that, you know what, if that one or two things would change, if I could just turn that dial down a little bit, or if I could just flip that channel, if I could just change so-and-so, or if I could stop having to deal with so-and-so, then I would be okay with God. But God wants you to find him in the place and in the season that you're in. You know that God is not on the other side of the fence only. He's on your side of the fence also. He's with you in the situation that you are in. And that's what Paul found. He said, you know what? I was praying to get on the other side of this fence that I'm in this situation where I've got this messenger of Satan and I prayed three times to get on the other side of it. I want to get past this situation. I want to get past it. I'm done with it. I'm tired of it. I, I've had enough. I want to get on the other side of the fence. He's probably, you know, if we could talk to him, he probably said, you know, none of the other apostles have to deal with what I'm dealing with. You know, we, we think about things in those kinds of terms, but he didn't have to go through the same things that other people went through. But he said, you know what? I found, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities because it's in those infirmities. It's in those infirmities. Uh, he said, I will rather glory because in those infirmities, the power of Christ rests on him. How amazing is that? Isn't God good? that even in the hour of infirmity, even in the hour of trial, God's strength is shown evident when we are weak. You know, uh, even over in Joel chapter 3, uh, it says, you know, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. And what a powerful message that is, uh, you know, to those around us. But look at this, though. I want, I want you to think about something else. Think about the, the Corinthian church. Think about the Corinthian church for a minute. Let's put ourselves in their shoes. Here is an apostle, the apostle Paul, that's been given to them, this man of God, highly esteemed, highly gifted, you know, highly favored by God. And, and he comes to the Corinthian church, and they notice he's got an impediment. He's got an issue. He's got a problem but yet they still receive him. What does that tell us? That tells us 
that from 1 Corinthians to 2 Corinthians, they began to operate in grace. They began to extend grace to people who were having hardships, people that were going through hours of trial. Maybe you saw somebody on not their best day. And grace says, you know what? I've had bad days too. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna hold that against them. I'm going to love them anyways. I'm gonna pray for them. And and you know sometimes you may see somebody on their not best day, and and that's you know the Corinthian church. They saw the apostle Paul, and through no fault of his own, he had this major source of affliction. And I want you to see that he told them, you know, you saw it. You know what he's talking about. The Corinthians knew exactly what this uh, impediment was. The Corinthian church knew exactly what the problem was. And yet they loved him anyways. They listened to him anyways. And they absorbed or received all the things that the apostle Paul taught them. Notice, let's read verse 9 again. And then we're going to move forward. Paul prayed three times, Lord, let this pass from me. But God wanted to meet Paul in the situation. And you know, like I said earlier, every single one of us are in a new situation right now. Some of us can't go to work. Some of us can't go to the grocery store. Some of us can't go to, well, you know, a lot of us can't go to church. Some of us can't go and visit family. Um, you know, those of us in Louisiana, we can't go to Texas right now. Um, you know, we're all going through different hardships and some of us, our hardship is, you know, we got a homeschool now or, or we got to take care of this or we we're you know, in our home with people that are getting on our nerves or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and, and then there's the financial aspect and everybody's going through all these, these hard things. And, you know, just from the outside, you don't know exactly everything that person's going through. And that's why it's so important in this season to extend grace in this hour to just pray for people when you when you see people not at their best pray for them that's you know one one minister i i love he used to say you know see a need fill a need if you if god gives you the eyes to see a need then god's giving you a heart to purpose to pray to meet that need and when you see a problem with somebody. Maybe you see their attitude or you see them letting you down again. Take upon, take upon the responsibility upon yourself to pray for them. Take upon you the responsibility yourself to pray for them and watch what God does. It's amazing. Now, uh, this verse, verse nine, he said, my, uh, Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And I want to touch just briefly on the word weakness. I want to touch on that briefly. Now, we're not talking about weak being like, well, I just give up on everything. There's a difference in, uh, there's a difference in just being weak and throwing your hands up and, and basically throwing in the towel. God's not asking for that. He's asking that, that there's, um, there's a difference between not depending on yourself and fully depending on God. And that's the, that's the heart that God wants to get into this message. You know, there's a huge, a huge vast difference between stopping depending on yourself 
and learning to fully depend on God. And sometimes people just have a Hail Mary kind of prayer life. Just when I get in a bind, you know, that the Hail Mary was just that, that phrase for at the end of a football game, when you're down by less than six points, you just throw the ball in the air. Hopefully somebody catches it. It's just throwing up a wing and a prayer. And, you know, sometimes we live that kind of a prayer life, but God doesn't want us to live that kind of a prayer life. He wants us to get to a point where we have complete dependence on him. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to uh, breathe. Thank you for this opportunity to get in my car, to have a job, Lord, to have a family or, you know, to have friends. Just complete dependence on God at every turn through our life. So I want you to see there's a big difference between the, the ceasing of self-ability and fully God-dependent. And that's this what this weakness represents is saying, you know what, I'm not trying it in my own strength. I'm not going to try to do things my own self. I'm going to lean completely and fully trusting in God because we know his ways are higher than our ways and, and he does things better. Now, if you have your Bibles, just flip back um, a couple of pages. We'll go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 real quick. I want to touch on uh, two other verses, maybe three. Uh, you guys that go to our church, y'all know how that goes. But we're going to go to two other passages, maybe three. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 this honestly is one of the best chapters of the Bible. First Corinthians is one of the best books of the Bible. Um, but look at verse number 12. So first Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. And, and, and again, in the oldest translation you can find in that King James Bible, Paul said, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That's the same exact concept that the apostle Paul was talking about earlier, that this messenger of Satan came so that he wouldn't get highly uh, lifted up, so he wouldn't get puffed up, so he wouldn't be exalted above measure. And Paul's saying the same thing to the church. He said, take heed, when you think that you stand, take heed lest you fall. In other words, when you think you're standing on your own ability, when you're approaching your problems through your own reasoning and through your own ability, or maybe you're dealing with your problems in your own ability or your own strength or your own reasoning. What do I mean by that? Well, that's the whole, um, you know, if somebody's not obeying, just slam more doors and and kick more holes in the cabinets and throw more plates across the kitchen. You know, the more plates you throw, the more love there's going to be in the air. Well, that's not how it goes, is it? And, and, and sometimes when we get frustrated or you don't know how to do things in your own, you don't know how to do things your own, you can't change things, you can't help things, you get frustrated and that should lead you to a place where you turn to God. And, and when you do, God's saying, now I've got something to work with. But as long as we think we're standing and we begin to approach problems and situations and people and try to handle them on our own, Paul said, look, you need to take heed lest you fall. You're setting yourself up for a fall. And look at verse 13. This is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. There has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. Now, do you believe that the Bible is still relevant today? If you do, then even though we're in a new situation in America or wherever you are, 
even though we're in a new situation where we're experiencing things in our nation that we've never experienced. And even though you're in a new season and a new situation, there's no temptation uh, that can take you, but such as is common to man. And, and it all boils down to trusting God with the issues of our day. Trusting God with the issues of our day and not doing things our way, but turning to God and doing things his way. And I want to show you this. Uh, so no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Listen to this. But God is faithful. How amazing is that? But God is faithful. You know, sometimes we, we have a, a saying sometimes, you know, but God. You get into situations of life and you don't have the answers and you don't know how uh, you're going to make two plus two equal four so that you can pay a bill or whatever. And, and sometimes you just get into that place where faith just gets into a trusting mode and you say, I don't know how, but God, but God. And Paul's saying, you know what? But God is faithful. So we can just just lean on the fact that no matter what we're going through, God has not forgotten us. God's not going to hang us out to dry. And, and, and you know, it's like sometimes you go fishing and you leave your fish out on the uh, on the stringer. Uh, I've seen people do that before. They, you know, maybe somebody caught three or four fish and then they got a phone call and they left. They forgot them and they left their fish just out there on the stringer just to sit there. Well, you know, God's not like that. He's not just going to let you stay on the stringer. God is faithful. He's good. He's not going to leave you just hanging out there. God will give you a rock to stand on no matter how dark or low the valley is. I, one of my favorite Psalms, whenever David said, you know, when my heart is overwhelmed, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. No matter what the situation is in my life, I know there's a rock I can stand on. I know that through the word of God, I can find truth for my circumstance and the spirit of God indwells me and I know that I'm never alone. There's never a moment in my life where I'm alone, but God is with me. And, and it's so important to understand God is faithful. And you know, you may be facing a situation and you may not even even know how to articulate what it is and and that's why I wanted to take you to the apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh because it wasn't articulated to us what the problem was but yet we see through the problem God turned weakness into strength and I want you to know that if whatever you're going through drives you to your knees and drives you to the altar if whatever you're going through drives you to a place of intimacy with God and a deeper prayer, a deeper prayer life and, a, and, and more time in the word of God, if whatever you're going through leads you to that point, you will come out on the other side stronger than you ever have been. Watch this. But God is faithful who will not suffer or allow, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it or 
or undergirded or, or, you know, carry that load. In other words, God is sufficient. He's not going to put more on you than you can handle. And so that's why we can just trust God and believe God no matter what the circumstances uh, of our life are. It's amazing to me that so many times in our life we go through hardships and we want other people to give us grace. We, we may say, you know what? If you only knew what I was going through, you wouldn't act like that or you wouldn't say that to me. We, we want other people to extend that kind of grace to us. But are we willing to extend that kind of grace to others? And when God is making you strong and you know that God is faithful and God is giving you a rock to stand on, you will, you will. So I said, we're going to go to two, maybe three other passages. So here's number two. It's Isaiah chapter number 40. And we'll start with verse number 28. Now this one, everybody should know this passage. And if you don't, this is definitely one that you got to learn, got to know, but I just want to show you this so you can claim it for your own life. So you can begin to pray this and you can begin to hold on to it and, 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 and just, uh, get really, uh, deep in, in, in holding on to this promise of God. So Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 28, it says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. In other words, God does things, and, and, and there are times that you're not going to understand it. This ties directly back into what I was talking about, the thorn in the flesh. There's, there's those, those things that God does that we're not able to comprehend. God may not fully disclose to us certain reasons. And so we have to, as people of faith, get to a point in our lives where we say, you know what, I don't have to know all the details. I don't have to know X, Y, and Z, and this, that, and that don't have to change. But I'm going to choose in this hour, in spite of the things that I don't appreciate, in spite of the hardships, in spite of the persecutions, in spite of the reproaches, in spite of the necessities, in spite of the infirmities, I'm going to choose to draw near to God right now in this valley, in this storm, in this battle, in this fight. I'm going to draw close to God. I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to seek his face and I'm going to get intimate with my creator. I'm going to get intimate with my God and, and get acquainted and, and enjoy that fellowship coming back to let that simplistic love, loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. When you begin to just worship God for who he is and all that he's done and, and, and just glory and just how beautiful your God is. Now it says in verse number 29, he giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. So based on that verse, you see who he gives power to. He gives power to the faint. That, that is the, the person who is just 
not standing on their own. The person who is at the, at, at the end of self and have come to the feet of Jesus. That's who God gives strength to. Look at verse 30. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. And you see, whenever we see the kind of hardships and we see the kind of heartbreak and, 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 and heart uh, just aching about the issues that are going on where you see uh, sickness around and you see people losing jobs and you see people having to file for bankruptcy and nobody knows, you know, what tomorrow holds. Uh, but faith says, but I know who holds tomorrow. I may not have a job, but I know who my provider is. And I may not be feeling well now, but I know who my healer is. Faith begins to look at things from a completely different perspective. And But the situations of life will get us to where even the young people, and what he's meaning by that is even the strongest of persons is going to have to come to the point where they're weak before God and fully lean on him. Now, now when he says, and the young men shall utterly fall, that means God will get it to where we're at the, our last uh, straw. And when we're at that last straw, then something changes as long as our faith remains steadfast on God. Look what changes in verse 31. This is where, you know, everything Everything's different now. You get to verse 31, you got a whole new song. And when you get to verse 31, you start singing, you know, great, great and mighty is he. You know that song? Great and mighty is he. Um, so look at verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? That means to not use your own strength, to not lean on your own understanding, but saying, you know what, God, I don't understand why I'm going through this, or I don't understand why that person's going through this. I don't understand why our nation's going through this, or our world, I don't understand this, but you know what, Lord, I'm going to sit at your feet. I'm going to get my mind renewed in you. I'm going to draw my strength from you. And, and, and the word of God says, those that wait on the Lord, their strength is going to be renewed. In other words, when you get to the end of who you are, you'll find a strength that you've never known. You'll find a strength that comes from above. The Bible says that our help comes from above. Lift up your heads. Lift up your heads. Our strength, our hope comes from above. And that's what God is trying to get into us in this verse. Wait on God and God will renew your strength. You will mount up with wings as eagles. You will run and not be weary, and you will walk and not faint. In other words, God will give you an ability greater than your own. God will give you an ability greater than you, than you currently have when you finally come to the end of trying in your own strength and trying in your own ability. When you finally get to that point, when you, tr you finally say, you know what, Lord Jesus, I can't do this. 
the Lord says, we all know that. We were just waiting on you. <laughs> we're, and we're ready to strengthen you. We're ready to pour upon you that balm from Gilead. We're ready to pour upon you that oil of gladness. We're ready to pour upon you a renewed strength and a renewed fight, a renewed vigor and a renewed song. I'm ready to restore you. But God sometimes has to get us to that point where we come to the end of self and then fully lean on him. And that is a beautiful place to be. God's strength is shown evident when we are weak, when we are weak. Um, you know, it's an amazing thing that how God builds us up through adversity. It's those things that break us down that God uses to build us up again. But when he builds us up again, it's not building us up again with our own muscles or our own strength. It's building us up in the spirit of God. It's building us up in the anointing of God, using the, not our own strength, but being equipped from above. And that's how you're able to love people that are unlovable. That's how you're able to, to give grace to people that have stabbed you in the back or murmured about you or gossiped about you. That's how you're able to smile and love people who despitefully use you and, and, and hate you. And, and maybe they even plot your demise. But God gives you a strength that comes not from the natural man, but from above. So let's, uh, I said two, maybe three. So let's go to that third one. Uh, we'll go to Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, and we'll close there. So Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. It's been, uh, you know, one of those seasons that we're in right now, uh, it's just really strong on my heart that we need to purpose like never before uh, just to extend grace to everybody, just to extend grace. To, you know, maybe somebody's not doing things the way you would do it, or maybe people aren't doing things the way you, you want them to do it. But you know what? Uh, pray for them. Before we begin to complain, we need to begin to pray. Before we begin to tear people down, we need to lift them up. Before we begin to, you know, do those things, we need to make sure that we are extending the same grace that we desire. Because as you've seen in this Bible study, it's, it is grace that we need. God's grace is sufficient for us. God's grace equips us to be strong when we're weak. So, uh, and, and, and this, uh, this passage that we're going to look at right here, this is going to show you just the outward working of grace, how, you know, we've looked at all prior about how God works things in us, but now we're going to see the working out. So, uh, as the apostle Paul said, he prayed that, you know, he would work out what God was working in. And so we're going to see the working out right here. So, uh, this is Ephesians chapter number four, verse 29, Ephesians four, verse 29. Isn't God good to us? Amen. God is good. So here we go. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now, let me stop right there for a second. Um, we probably don't need to study on what a corrupt communication is out of the mouth. We probably all know people that have corrupt mouths and, 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 and you may say, well, I just can't help it. And, and, you know, people that go to our church, y'all know what I'm about to say. 
Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the problem is we have to put the right things in our heart if we want to get the right things out. Um, you, 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 you know, that's just one of the fundamentals that the Lord Jesus taught. So let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But what are you supposed to do? Keep your mouth zipped? Well, you know, we were always told if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And when it comes, to, when you see a verse like that, that's actually true. It, it's, it's, it's more better, more better to not say a corrupt thing. But let's, let's read on. So let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying or building up to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So see, God's desire is that you are used by God, that you are used by God, that he can equip you and put enough in you so that when you begin to deal with other people, maybe people in your home, everybody's having to, you know, you can't really get out and, 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 you know, go visit a lot of people right now. So this would especially apply to maybe people in your home or people at the grocery store, or maybe people that you work with if you're still able to work. But notice what he's saying, that God's putting in you and then let it go out. Let it be good. Let it be good to the use of building up or edifying and strengthening. That, that is where we get our word encouraging. You know, that's what Barnabas was, the, the son of encouraging. He was that one that, that lifted everybody up and, and looked for the bright side uh, of the situation. And, you know, that's what God is saying. Don't let your mouth be used to corrupt. And the word corrupt means, you know, to, to cause a, um, a, a negative aspect or to die down. So don't allow your mouth to tear people down. Don't allow your mouth to tear people down. But let God use what comes out of your mouth to build people up. And, and how? How? Well, it's not just to tell them they're the best person ever. It's not just that. It, it's, it's to build them up, and look what it says, that it may minister grace to the hearer. So what you're doing is you're just pointing them to Jesus. That's what you're doing. That, at, at the cross, that's where we find grace. That's where we find strength at. That's where you received from God that which you never deserved. And grace stays the same no matter what stage of your walk with God you're in. God's grace is still found in simplistic faith in what Christ did for us at Calvary. That's where we find grace. And so what God wants us to do is to go into those situations where you're around other people or whatever the deal is and don't tear them down, but lead them to Jesus. Use those opportunities of people blowing their temper or, or people slamming doors or people murmuring about you or gossiping about you or whatever the case may be. Take your emotion out of it and let God use you so that you can lead them to where they can find grace, where they can find help in their time of need, where maybe they need to be saved. But you let God use you. And so, you know, it's important that you stay strong in the Lord because if you don't stay strong in the Lord and walk in the Spirit, 
you'll never be able to do that because you'll be stuck in the flesh. You'll be constantly in the flesh, constantly, you know, complaining about somebody parking in your spot, somebody uh, getting your spot, somebody getting the promotion you were supposed to get, somebody getting the, the spouse you were supposed to get, somebody getting the job you were supposed to get, somebody, you know, doing what you were supposed to do. But, but when we take the emotion out of it, when we allow God to strengthen us and let that work of grace have its complete way, and when we do that, then we're able to minister that same grace to other people and say, guys, you know what? I go through things you don't know about, and I have found strength in my hour of weakness at the cross. And lead them to Calvary. Lead them to Jesus, and you'll find that God will bless that. You'll find that God will bless that. So I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you just to give grace to people around you. You don't know what they're going through. Um, no, nobody else and none of us even know what the apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh was. And yet the Corinthian church gave him grace. They loved him anyways. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to give that grace to love them anyways. And I just want to encourage you, uh, to receive grace from God at Calvary. Let God have his perfect way in you. Let God you know, strengthen you in your weakness and then turn to him. And, and, and as you do, you'll be able to minister grace to those around you. Hey, we want to thank you for, for joining in our Wednesday night Bible study. It is, um, a lot different not having, uh, you here. And we pray that soon and very soon the Lord comes back and if he tarries, we pray soon and very soon, we're all able to come to church again. Uh, let me pray, and we're going to close this service out. Um, let me also just say before we close that if you're a part of our church, we're giving out our, um, our snacks and our cards, um, all of our items for the nursing home on Friday. So if you want to drop those things off at the church, let us know. Uh, we're going to assemble everything, drop them off Friday morning. So uh, Thursday, that'd be about the last opportunity if you want to join in that. And don't forget, this Sunday, 1045 a.m., um, pray that the rain moves out. But either way, we're going to have church. Um, this is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. We're going to have church and we're also going to have communion. So you can do it one of two ways. You can BYOC, which is bring your own communion, just bring crackers and juice, or uh, you can use what we have here. We have individually wrapped the, the portable kind. You can use those, um, and they're all uh, individually done. So either way, but we're going to have communion all in our cars. We're having a drive-in service again. Um, we're having those every Sunday, 1045, and... You know, Lord willing, we pray that you're able to make it. And thank you for joining in the Bible study uh, here at Gospel Lighthouse Church this Wednesday night. Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for grace that changes your people. And Lord, we pray that your spirit would have complete work in our lives, that we're able to receive all that we need from you and then, Lord, that we're also able to pour into the lives of our fellow people. God, we bless you. We love you tonight, Lord Jesus. 
We thank you for your mercy and the kindness that you've given us. And we ask this, that you would seal the message sown in our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you for joining us tonight. God bless you.